whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. Welcome back to another episode of Whatever You Do. Hi. We have a special guest with us today. It's our second guest ever. And we're really excited to talk about this. Excited sounds like the wrong word, but we're We're thankful. Yes. God really worked out the details to be able to to talk about this tonight, but in a couple of our previous episodes, we've discussed just um, what it looks like to have the worldview of believing children are a blessing and um, trusting God with fertility and allowing God to bless us with whatever children he sees fit, that he opens and closes the womb. Um, And in talking about some of that, I feel like, well, we, we are coming at it from one extreme standpoint of having multiple young children. Yeah. And it can be very difficult to feel like we can really speak into this topic from the other side of things, even though I would say that the overall principle of it applies in multiple directions. Yeah. It doesn't always feel fair that we could talk about it coming from the direction of not just having eight children, 12 and under. Right. And yeah. So, so we, we have been friends with people who've experienced infertility and loss and God kind of worked out a conversation that I didn't even, wasn't even a part of to allow, um, our friend Jana to join us today. So thank you for being on our show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. We've, let's see. I've known you for how long? How long have you and Lonnie been going to? Since 2015. Okay. So for four years? Yeah. So. And the first time that you met me, do you remember what you said? Probably not. You you said, I know it would probably be hard for us to be friends or it might be hard for you to be friends with me because I know that you've gone through loss, but I really want to be your friend. This is the first thing I said to you. That was so sweet of me. (laughs) No, it was the perfect icebreaker. Oh, (laughs) Is that women's retreat? <laughs> oh, I wonder how I even knew knew that you had. I don't know. I think everybody knew. <laughs> huh. I don't feel like I knew. I feel like at another women's retreat, a different one, yes. at Melissa's cabin, that I, I like come to that you didn't come to. I feel like we had probably never had a conversation. I don't. Really and I like that. walked in the room, and I think you were crying, and I was like, "Hi, I'm Abby," and so we got to like talk about that probably one of our first conversations too. Yeah. So sure, we're getting ahead of ourselves, yes, but we are. Yeah. Tell me, how long have you been married? What is your life like? Who are you married to? Well, um, my husband and I, we've been married now for almost nine years. Um, I actually met him online on eHarmony when when I was already like 30 years old. So we didn't meet each other until we were a little bit older than Uh a lot of people get married. Um, And he was 39 when we got married. So um, both of us had lived a little bit of life before we met each other. But now I have my husband. 
His name's Lonnie. And then we have a little daughter that we've adopted named Emma. And we also have another little guy, Toby, that we will most likely get to adopt. We're kind of um, optimistic, but we know that there's different things that can come. So yeah. cautiously optimistic. Yes. You know, yeah. so uh, that's a little bit about my family. <laughs> yeah. So how and when would you say God saved you? Well, um, that's one thing that I'm very thankful for is that I was raised in a a very strong Christian family. My mom um, was a definite lover of the Lord. And um, my first memories are always geared towards my mother Uh and uh, just wanting to be like her and uh, seeing her in the living room, having her quiet time in the morning, like she would set a timer so that we wouldn't bother her for the Mm -hmm. first part in the morning if Mm -hmm. we woke up. And so I I had a very good example of um, what a life with Christ looked like. And um, I remember when I was very young, probably four or five years old, um, I had heard an Easter song, I think it was on PBS or something, when they were still showing like church on PBS. (laughs) And they were singing about being born again. Mm -hmm. And so I went and talked to my mom about what it meant to be born again. I even, I remember thinking about it like um, like how, my mom was a, a childbirth instructor, so I knew everything about <laughs> okay. childbirth that you possibly could. And you were so like trying to figure out, figure like, out. how can yeah. that be? How can you be born again? Like, so I asked her, and um, actually, I asked almost similar type of questions to Nicodemus mm-hmm. in um, John 3, and so she actually went, we had a really big, huge family Bible, oh. and she went to that, and she read to me about the um, the story of Nicodemus and Jesus and mm. she asked me if I wanted to be born again and at that time I told her yeah absolutely because I loved Jesus I, mm-hmm. I don't remember not loving him like even younger than that he was just always how old were you at this point four or five okay yeah I don't remember exactly I'd have to ask her to know the exact age but I think I was even four which is really young mm-hmm. but I remember this really well mm-hmm. and knew that I wanted to be born again and And, um, you know, um, she prayed with me that day and, um, I just started walking with the Lord. And of course, when I was a little bit older, I had some times where I kind of stumbled, but I always felt like I was his like set apart. You know, Mm -hmm. I tried to, I remember in junior high school, like I would even try to like say a cuss word and Mm -hmm. it it didn't work very well. (laughs) (laughs) It was really awkward because I was trying to make myself say it and Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't because I was the Lord's already, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so he did a lot to set me aside as his own. So my, my story of being in Christ starts really young. Yeah. That's so So. awesome. Yep. So when you and Lonnie got married, what would you say your hopes were of what your family would look like? Well, um, I think that for us, we definitely wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I had always wanted to have kids and and talking about my mom, like I said, uh, I wanted to be like her. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she was married, I think two weeks before her 18th birthday and she had um, her first child when she was 19 years old. And uh, I just thought that my life should be just like hers. I wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had no aspirations to really be a whole lot of anything else, but to have babies and be a mom. So 
like for me, I even had a struggle in the fact that I didn't meet my husband until I was 30 years old. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was another one of those things that God was taking me through because we often have a picture of what our life is going to look like. Yeah. And, um, God has a way of refining us through the years so that we like give up our control. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we don't have any control anyway, <laughs> but, right, but where we submit to his control, I yes, guess is yeah. really what I mean. Um, and understand how out of control our life really is, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, definitely, we wanted to have babies. I, I know that I probably was open to have more babies than he was open to having, uh-huh. you know? But uh, it's funny because I never thought that infertility was going to be a struggle of mine because I had no signs that yeah. I was going to be infertile. And I have my oldest sister has four kids, then my next sister has six, and my brother has five. And like, so infertility wasn't really something on that your I radar. Found. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't on my radar. I didn't think it was going to be something that we struggled with. So, so when did that like start becoming a question in your mind of, well, you know, um, we wasn't too long after we got married that we decided to go ahead and just have babies, you know, Mm -hmm. before that we were just using condoms and stuff like that because I definitely, um, was against birth control. I always had been and for lots of reasons, not, not just the fact that it can cause an abortion, you know, but also for the fact that it can cause cancer and everything Mm -hmm. else. Um, but I know that everybody has a different understanding of that, but that's what my understanding was at that time was, um, just that I was never going to, um, take birth control in that way. So, um, so after that we started to try to have babies but I also started to have um like some issues like some pain and stuff and I ended up going to uh, my OBGYN and finding out that I had a cyst that had taken mm-hmm. over my right ovary that was like the size of a softball or something oh, and wow. so um I had to have a oophorectomy to remove that just because it was you know kind of messing with everything in there mm-hmm. and giving me pain and stuff but there was still hope that after that yeah. was taken care of that I'd be able to conceive because I'd always been um like right on track as Mm -hmm. far as my periods were usually 28 to 31 days apart like no nothing Mm -hmm. so um it was shortly after that that the OBGYN said yeah go ahead and start trying and we did and nothing happened you know Mm -hmm. we weren't uh conceiving for a long period of I don't know how long it was but I don't think I went to seek fertility advice for a year or so. Okay. Um, after you had been married? Yeah. Well, no, more than a year after we got married. It was probably... A year after that. Trump right. So, try. so we we were married in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then um, we... I'm, sh- I'm sure that, like, when we started to have, seek fertility treatment, it wasn't until 2014. Okay. So, so there mm-hmm. were a few years in between yeah. there where we were trying or, um, you know, I had my surgery, different things like that. So was a little bit of time, but it was long enough that most people probably would have already gone to a doctor, but I was really trying to like, trust God, you know what I mean? (laughs) That he was going to, you know, see it, see us through or allow me to get pregnant or something like that. So Mm -hmm. when you decided to seek out fertility treatments, Mm -hmm. was that something that 
how was that something you and your husband decided together and were on the same page about or um how did that go for you guys yeah well so i'll tell you that before we went and did that i um actually got several books on adoption and uh we were reading through it and these books made it sound so impossible they made it sound so hard to um actually go through an adoption you know i kind of had the attitude all along i would say to people if we can't have kids we'll just adopt you know like Mm -hmm. sometimes that that can be uh i don't know kind of trivial like you can say that not really thinking that it's going to happen but when you actually look into what adoption uh, takes and how much it costs and all of that kind of stuff it it can be really overwhelming and so Mm. we felt at that time that we really wanted to give it um as good of a try that we could uh to get pregnant ourselves because it would actually probably be cheaper (laughs) than adoption Mm -hmm. and um we also weren't like we had discussed foster care but um you know you both have to be on the same page and my husband wasn't there yet you yeah. know so that's a it's a big yeah commitment it's a, it's it's, a big commitment yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. definitely not something that everyone just quickly is exactly on board for mm-hmm. so right for sure so um so we uh decided that we wanted to do that together um it wasn't like me pushing him or him this or that mm-hmm. um i always want wanted to give him the the lead i guess like i mean i i obviously could tell him how i felt about different things. Um, yes, you have your opinions <laughs> yes, of it, had my opinion how you were and all feeling. that. Yeah. Um, but we did decide that we wanted to try. And what we had kind of discussed at that point is that um, we wanted to, to first just start with what's called IUIs or mm-hmm. intrauterine insemination. Um, we weren't going to do IVF um, just because we, we felt like that wasn't a place we wanted to go was IVF. Um, but we were we felt just fine like morally with doing um the IUIs um but we also put a number on it we're like we'll do six we're not doing more than six you know so um we actually ended up only doing five because I you know I'm jumping ahead of myself now that's okay (laughs) but uh that was kind of what we had decided together okay so what did that process look like for you guys well um we first went to a consultation obviously with a um we went to a consultation with a a clinic that i had heard about from one of my friends we're very professional tonight and we have my my dogs i'm gonna go lock them up so but we're not gonna stop it so sorry guys okay (laughs) all right so anyways um at the consultation they just kind of it was the first one that i went to was more of a I'll call it a dock in the box. They just kind of had something that they did yeah, all the time. Sure. And you can kind of feel a little bit like you're on a conveyor belt, you know? Okay, yeah. And um, my my first experience was more on a conveyor belt type of mentality, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But it was also um, through them that... Uh, we did uh, successfully get pregnant, but in order to do that, you know, I had to take a lot of hormones, a lot mm-hmm. of shots. Um, everything was was timed. Like you, you had to not be intimate for on these days, and then you had to wait, and then, you know, it was it's kind of it kind of takes the enjoyment yeah. out of um, your your intimacy with your husband, you mm-hmm. know. So that part um, neither of us liked, but at the same time, like. <laughs> 
then fertility journey also brought us closer together. So like, right. like there's those things that you're like, this sure isn't very intimate, you know, <laughs> this, yeah. this takes the enjoyment out of making babies, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, at the same time, uh, because it's such an up and down road and you really have to be on the same page with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew closer in mm-hmm. our marriage. Um, and we also learned how to grieve together, you know, all of those things. So, um, yeah, the, the process, do you, do you want to know like what the doctor wanted me to do or? No, I want to know like what, what, at what point, what IUI did you like conceive oh, okay. and what was so, that like? Our first IUI, um, was not successful. Okay. Um, but our second IUI was successful. So, um, it was, it, it all happened really quickly and it was very interesting because I knew, like, I knew immediately that it had worked. I just did. Um, like, the day that we had the IUI, I mm-hmm. knew that it had worked. So, um, I just, yeah, it was, it's not something that I can explain very well yeah. other than, um, you know, they didn't think I was going to be ready to have an IUI yet. So, mm-hmm. um, in the first one, it took a long time for my eggs to, you know, ripen or get how they were supposed yeah. to. So, they actually started scheduled me for um, my ultrasound later in the cycle than they had before but when they looked at at where I was at at that time they were like oh my goodness we need to do this like like tomorrow this needs to happen you know so um they immediately had me take what's called a trigger shot which um triggers your body to ovulate Mm -hmm. and um at the time there were three um three eggs that looked like they were gonna probably ovulate so um we uh, went and had the I had the shots and then we had the IUI and um, yeah we it's funny because you find out pretty quick that you're actually expecting because okay. they take lots of um, they take a lot of tests so one of the tests that they take um, really fairly quickly only like five days after um, the IUI is a progesterone test and with my first one my progesterone test was only nine and so it was kind of like yeah probably nothing is mm-hmm. going on because usually at least 12 um well it was 25 that time and then it was 31 like so I already had a high much higher progesterone and Mm -hmm. um so that that was hopeful and like I said I already felt like it and also what happened to me during that time is I did definitely feel implantation cramps Mm. and um I yeah I I remember the day that I felt implantation cramps that night I I woke up and I was nauseous which is kind of crazy but (laughs) anyways (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hormones were happening. Yeah, and the hormones were happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So that was your second cycle mm-hmm. of... IUI. IUI. Mm-hmm. And... So, can t- just tell us what okay. continue to... Well, when I actually went for my pregnancy test, which I already knew I was pregnant because I had taken a test on my own, which they don't recommend, but, like, uh, I've heard you guys talk before about how do we not, like, get obsessed mm-hmm. about all this? Well, I definitely was obsessed, um, and there were times where I, I was idolizing it or I was worrying too much, and I was not giving, um, like just letting it be you know mm-hmm. it's, it, I found that to be really hard especially after we uh, started the treatments you mm-hmm. know it can be such a hard balance because mm-hmm. I feel like on one hand it's not like there's anything right morally wrong with taking a pregnancy test yeah but 
really you're the only one that can gauge where your heart is at with that and whether this is something that's overtaking your thoughts and causing you to not be functioning right Mm -hmm. like normal because you're so busy thinking about Mm -hmm. and planning out and right whatever all the different things but I, yeah, so the first day that they actually took my um, my blood because they they check your hormone levels, my hormone levels were lower than they had expected. They were like um, twenty one or something. They they weren't they were expecting them to be much higher than that for um, the HCG. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for the HCG. Yeah, yeah. the HCG test. Okay. So they sent me home, and um, then they when they called me, they were like, "Well, you need to come back like in two days because these are really low." numbers and we need to see them get higher. We, they needed to double. But this was after they had they had you take a urine test? They don't. Or had you already I took you had already taken test. one. You already knew like you had mm-hmm. thought you were pregnant you already right. took one. How, was it showing up positive on that yeah. test? Yeah. Okay. But see that's the thing about um, about fertility treatments too though. When you get the trigger it's an HCG shot. Okay. So like for a whole week it wouldn't even matter anyway because it would show positive for okay. a whole week. But Is that part of why they tell that's you part not of to. why they tell you not mm-hmm. to do it but mine was after I had already had like negative tests you know what I mean yes. like several days after where I had a positive test and it was after I had had the implantation cramping right. and felt sick you know what I mean right. all those yes. things yes so um yeah. so when I had a positive test myself I was fairly certain that it was actually positive right. and um so when I went I was I was expecting them to call me and be like yeah you're pregnant you know yes. Well, they told me that my numbers were lower than they were expecting. And so when I came in, um, in a couple days, they wanted the number higher. Well, I went in a couple days and it was higher. Um, and it continued to grow, got higher and higher, but it wasn't growing exactly the rate they were thinking. Okay. So, uh, about five weeks pregnant, uh, which is not very far in, they wanted to do ultrasound on me because they were afraid that it was possible I had a tubal pregnancy. Okay. Um, but when they checked that I didn't have a tubal, um, but that they decided after that is they thought that maybe their multiples, uh, had occurred multiple first, maybe even three. And then like one of them had not made it. And so that's why my numbers were being weird. Um, but then, uh, they just said, this is strange. We don't know what's going on, but you definitely are pregnant, you know? So, um, I, they sent me home to wait for a while. And then when I was about seven weeks pregnant, I started to experience, um, it was weird because it wasn't like I was bleeding a lot, but I had a lot of like mucus and stuff like that. So I called them right away and they said, well, come in and have an ultrasound. And, um, when I went in and this was at, at seven weeks, so we should have been able to see little baby hearts beating. Right. The hearts weren't beating then. Okay. And so um, they, they, could they tell how many babies? There were two. There yeah. were two. Two babies. Two babies had definitely implanted and were there and um, had, you know, yolk sacs and everything mm-hmm. like that. And um, so when they checked, though, it, it was interesting because even after they hadn't made it, they still kind of continued to grow a little bit because I had a few different um, ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. And they got, you know, could see them get a little bigger, you know. But um, at that point, we just knew that the babies hadn't made it. And um, they gave me a choice if I wanted to have a DNC, but I just kind of felt like I wanted to 
let nature take its mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. and not go through that trauma. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like that would be more traumatic than yeah. actually going through the miscarriage. Um, so when I was, and I know that it's not very far along, but for me, it was like these babies were real. You know, mm-hmm. I had been praying for them. And, yeah. Um, at seven weeks, five days is when I actually lost the babies. And um, that was definitely a really hard experience, especially when you're, you know, praying, desiring, and just continually going before the Lord, you know, to trust him with Mm -hmm. it. And um, so, you know, it's funny because we go back to talking about how we have kind of a plan for our life, you know. Well, when we did finally experience infertility, I felt like once God allowed for me to get pregnant, of course I would stay pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There wasn't going to be, you know, there wasn't a question about that. Of course I'd stay pregnant. Um, But then I didn't, you know, um, we lost the babies and um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot more that we go into about the whole grief and everything that you experience during that time. But, you know, it didn't, we still, after that, did um, more IUIs. Sorry, lots of things (laughs) turning on and off. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, anyway, I don't know if you have any questions. Did you feel like you had good support around you um, during your loss? I think that the greatest support that I probably had was from my my family or people that actually lived far away, and so that was kind of sad, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the tr- we weren't going to Apologia yet at that time, and I actually felt more support about all of that after I went to Apologia than I did mm-hmm. during that time. And I loved those people, but I don't really think that they knew how to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. People don't know what you should do, you know, or what you should say. Right. Um, for me, I know that I felt like, because we did, I mean, people did know about our infertility journey. And we did, because we, um, those babies were babies to us, we had told, um, you know, a lot of people from our church church, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm not really sure they knew how to respond. They were sad for us, you know, but they didn't call us. They didn't offer any meals. They didn't do anything like that. It was kind of like nobody talked to us mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were going through the actual loss. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I remember, you know, looking at my husband and saying, you know, I really wish that somebody would have just asked if we, if they could bring us a meal or something. Cause, mm-hmm. I know that I don't feel like I can cook, you know? And so actually he ended up several times going and just getting dinner, which I was thankful that Mm -hmm. he did that, you know, but you know, sometimes you need, um, some people to come alongside of you and, you know, mourn with you a little bit, which I was really grateful that I had my mom and my best friend, you know, but they all lived far away. So they weren't here. (laughs) I think a lot of times, sometimes people can feel like they don't know what to do or what to say in those types of situations could you give an like an idea of what would have been something that could have been really encouraging or helpful to you which I know we were talking earlier about how every person is different every person handles things differently yes Yes. even every time of loss could look differently just depending on the circumstances so Mm -hmm. obviously we know that anything you throw out there isn't the like yeah. this is what you should always do yeah. in every situation it, yeah it's and not it's not a recipe right, or a exactly. formula yeah for sure well um for me i i'm not sure that i wanted i didn't 
well, I guess it would depend on who the person was. Mm-hmm. Like, if one of you had been like, can I just come over and cry with you for a while? I probably would have been cool with that. <laughs> but not not everybody is, is yeah. like that, you know? Um, so I think, at least in the situation that we were at right then, that I probably would have just enjoyed somebody to, like I said, bring us a meal, mm-hmm. maybe not stay, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Not talk a whole lot with me at that time because mm-hmm. my brain, my, my heart, like all those things weren't at a place where I could really engage but um to just be you know taken care of in that way Mm -hmm. um because it is it is something where it it does feel like you need to mourn it in private a little bit intimate yeah it is yeah it's vulnerable it's intimate and so it needs to be with people that you trust but for sure if it's your sister or your your a really good friend or a Mm -hmm. best friend or something they they need a hug you know Mm -hmm. now they might ball their eyes out Mm -hmm. you know but they they need to feel that kind of love and support too you know if you're if you're close to them for sure mm-hmm. um but i know that even nowadays people don't even share their pregnancies until they're through the the first trimester and for me i think that if i hadn't shared about that i i think it'd be much harder to go through a miscarriage without people knowing so that's just yeah. you know how i feel about it so so your really close friends and family weren't local, and that was what you've, I think, the people that you felt you had the most support from were people who weren't local to you, and the people who were more local to you, you didn't have quite as much actual support. Um, do you feel like God gave you other means of comfort during that time um, through his word? Do you Like, what was your spiritual walk like through that time? Was it something where you were able to be walking closely with God or... Um... Yes. Well, um, definitely, I mean, when we go through really difficult things... For me, definitely what I do is I try to cling to him, you know, and um, the thing is, is that I know a lot of people might try to cling to scriptures or things like the story of Hannah or different people where God actually, um, you know, gave them the baby, you know, but for me, the most important thing was that I um, actually cling to who he is and remember um, who God is and not myself and not focus on me and not focus so much on my grief, which I did grieve, like always, whenever, um, whenever the grief came, I was like, I have to grieve because if I don't, then it's not going to get better, (laughs) you know? So, um, for me, I was really in the Psalms a lot, um, because in the Psalms, David, you know, a lot of times he's lamenting, he's saying, my life is horrible. Everything's bad. It's really rough. And yet then he turns around and says, but God, you know, God is gracious and compassionate. God is powerful. Um, he, he speaks and things happen, you know, God spoke, he said, let there be light and there was light and he can choose to do that whenever, you know, and that's the thing with the sovereignty of God is that as his instruments, as his people, um, I really, it's really was always hard, but I wanted to be the instrument that he, he desired for me to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So I just really tried to cling to the scriptures that talked about who he was and not so much, you know, try to find a scripture that would say that I would get pregnant or something like that. Sure. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, another thing that we did um, that was actually important for both my husband and I is that um, he and I sat down and we wrote a letter to our babies um, just talking about what our hopes for them were and um, just even the things we were going to miss, like hearing their voice or seeing what they looked like because, you know, you wonder, you always wonder, you know, when when we have kids, like, what are they going to look like? Are they going to have daddy's nose or mommy's eyes or how's it, how's, how's it going work you know and so just grieving the fact that we would never see what their DNA was because from the moment of conception everything was there their eye color their hair color everything about them it was already there um so so to us they were people you know Mm -hmm. they were absolutely um people and so um we sat down together and just did that and really grieved together in the process and um it drew us closer together just learning how to grieve together and for me hearing his heart was really important because I got really focused on myself I mean I might have been focused on like well I'm going to pour my heart out to God that was my heart I was pouring out (laughs) you know what I mean Um, they go through all of that he was with me when I was um, when I was so sad or when my hormones were crazy all of those things he was the one who was there holding me or letting me cry all of that so um, it was important I think for me to be able to see his heart and for us to grieve together in that way if you hear cute little noises now, uh, we have another little guest. Toby has joined us, so mm-hmm. try not to be too distracted. But you know, we are distracted. Little voice ever. Oh yes. Um, so, what was your interactions like with other people in your life, like friends who were getting pregnant, baby showers to be had? Like, what was that like for you? So you know. That's the thing about infertility is that it really is, it's really, it's really sad. It's really hard, you know, especially when you, you have desired children all of your life, you know, yeah. and then to not have that and to watch other people get pregnant can be really hard. And I think it's a lot of people's tendency to not want to go to the baby shower or mm-hmm. to not, uh, or to become bitter, you know, mm-hmm. to let that bitterness rule in their life. And, um, one of the things for me is that I had really asked the Lord, um, to, to take that from me, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like I, I really purposed, um, through the Lord because it's always his, his work in Mm -hmm. us, you know, but that I didn't want to be bitter and that I wanted to rejoice in everybody's birth. So, you know, sometimes it was still hard, you know, like, like my friend might call me and tell me that she was going to have a baby and I would be sad in my heart Mm -hmm. for myself, Mm -hmm. but immediately, um, you know, I would ask that that would be joyful. And it was anyway, because I was happy, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy for every birth because, uh, I believe that children are a gift from the Lord and I wasn't going to take away from that, you know, and I know that can be hard because like a lot of times people don't even know how to approach. Yeah. They don't even know how to say, tell people, oh, I'm pregnant to your, your friend who has infertility. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I don't exactly know what to tell people in that way, because for me, I wanted to know because I wanted to rejoice, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I would hope like, I would love to 
be a support for people to understand that you don't let it make you bitter, you know, mm-hmm. trust the Lord and who he is because God is sovereign and because he speaks and he, he makes mountain move. He, he made the world, he created the world and he is the one who speaks and the deer give birth, you know, all of those things. Um, God, God has a reason and a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, like it's about his glory and not our own glory. And so for some reason he is glorified to not open my womb, you know, mm-hmm. like it's really hard to, to come to that place. But I don't know. I just prayed a lot and asked the Lord to do that in me because I wanted to rejoice, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to rejoice in every life. And so, um, I, I, I mean, people probably want to know that people are pregnant. Like, I don't know Yeah. if you totally never tell anybody, then don't tell anybody I mean, who has it, infertility. That, that would be kind of weird too, I guess. It gets awkward mm-hmm. because so then you feel thinking, isolated and like, right. Well, and you think mm-hmm. when you're the one who's getting pregnant, you think, right. Do I, do I go out of my way to tell them separately and single them out and right. make it more obvious that way? Or do I go out of my way to try to not have them find out? But obviously, I mean, you can't hide the fact that yeah. you're pregnant and then have a new child. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, honestly, Danny, truly, you totally took me off guard when you came up to me and said what you did to me at that women's retreat. You know what I mean? When you said... Uh, when you said to me, um, you know, it might be hard for us to be friends, like totally took, took that away, you know. In what, do you feel like that was inappropriate? I no, to... I, not to me. I don't know. I guess it could be to somebody else, but to me it, it wasn't, it wasn't inappropriate. It just took all defenses down. But actually, I don't know. I don't think it should. I, I just wanted it to be a clear, we don't have to pretend like this isn't the case. This is hard. Right. This is a hard thing to navigate. We don't understand right. why has God chosen to give right. me eight children so close together that at times it felt like it felt like this is really, really difficult and I don't know what you're doing, God. I mean, yeah. but in a completely all the way opposite end of the spectrum type of way. Right, right. So we don't have to, I, I wish it was the case with more women that you, you didn't have to pretend like. Right. Well, I think maybe acknowledging that it might be difficult for them, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, but, but also saying, you know, but I, but I want you to know too, that I am experienced, you know, I am pregnant. I am expecting a baby and I really don't want it to be awkward and I know it's sad and even just, I don't know, entering into that grieving with them. Um, I think that's important. Like, I'll tell you the story. So my best friend, she's the same age as me. She just turned 40 recently. Actually, it's her birthday today. Oh. <laughs> so, but she actually was one who didn't think she ever wanted to have children you know Uh she'd had kind of a a rougher uh, childhood you know and she wasn't sure that she wanted to have children well God decided that she was going to have a child you know and the one time that she and her husband did not use protection the one time you know Uh she ended up pregnant well she got pregnant at at 39 years of age like when I have when I have babies now too but um but she was having a hard time coming to talk to me to tell me that she was pregnant and yet when she told me she was pregnant you wouldn't even believe how overjoyed I was you know what I mean like 
like, but she had that that whole like, but one time I don't use protection. I got pregnant. I can't believe I have to go tell her this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was hard for her. You know. Yeah. But for me, it was joyous. You know. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. So baby's getting tired. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. Um. Toby, baby. Um, I know, I totally want to get into the adoption part. <laughs> yes. Um, because you said you had six rounds of IUI that you were thinking that was kind of a number that you might do, but you ended up getting pregnant for the second round. Right. And so then after you lost your twins, mm-hmm. what was... You took a little bit of time, kind yes. of... You know, I I thought maybe, um, you know, God would decide to get me pregnant naturally, you know what I mean? But um, that, obviously, it didn't happen during that time. But uh, we just decided that the Lord might really want us to adopt, even though it was hard, you know? Um, Even though there's a whole lot of other things that could happen, um, there's a lot of grieving that can take place. A lot of people uh, think they're going to have a baby and then that baby doesn't end up coming to them. Like, we weren't sure if our hearts could take that, Mm -hmm. you know? But once again, you gotta trust the Lord if you feel like he's calling you. And, you know, the thing that's hard for me is that, so I um, always loved children. I was babysitting at age 11. I can't believe that I was babysitting at age 11. (laughs) I was. So I was babysitting at age 11. Um, I got my degree in early childhood education. I um, was a nanny, you know, all these things. And I was the best aunt that any of my nieces or nephews ever had, right? (laughs) And yet I didn't have any kids myself. And um, I just really felt like I was supposed to be a mother. And I had different times where people were not encouraging to me, where they would say, well, maybe you're just not supposed to be a mom but I really didn't think that was true you know I didn't know how God would bring that about I thought it would be through natural means but um it wasn't through natural means you know so um so I um like Lonnie and I talked about it and it it was funny because it all happened kind of quickly that we we came to that understanding that we were going to go forward with adoption I had seen on Facebook actually like um this you know how they have the little ads and stuff. Yeah. They had an ad for um, the Christian Family Care that is here in Phoenix. And um, they have an uh, infant adoption plan. And I didn't know why it, it popped up because I hadn't done any like adoption stuff really. But I clicked on it and then I ended up calling them, which I know a lot of people go through lots of agencies. They do a lot of research. And I re- had read those books initially, but I didn't really do a bunch of that stuff. I just went to... we we set up an appointment and went to talk to them and they said, yeah, it really sounds like maybe God is leading you towards adoption. And, um, what happened from there was just not anything that we would have ever expected. Um, so, uh, we had heard that it was going to cost us uh, around $27,500 and we knew that we couldn't afford that ourselves. And we were encouraged by, um, other people to set up like a funding page because sometimes people just want to give. But then we were also getting a lot of support uh, with fundraising 
fundraisers that we were thinking we were going to um, set up and do. I can remember having a specific yeah. conversation yeah. with you about what fundraisers and yeah. let's, uh-huh. let's figure this out and we're mm-hmm. happy to help you. And right, right. And Melissa, she was going to take pictures, photography pictures and stuff to help yeah, us. Yeah, there were a lot of different people that were thinking of ways that mm-hmm. we could... Right, how we could I raise that money. you knew, even in the struggle of this feels... I remember you telling me, like, this feels like a lot of money. Yes. I don't really know how. And, and I just, was uncomfortable with asking people. Yes, and we just had me. these conversations yeah. of, like... But it's God's money, and exactly. if God is behind this and wanting this, mm-hmm. then he can provide for that. And right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of drug my feet a little bit in actually setting up that funding page, um, but then I was actually, it's funny because it was our pastor's wife, who she's like, no, you really, you really should do that. You need to go and do it. So, um, and I guess to say I was dragging my feet, I think that was God too, because he knew what he was about to do. So. Yes. Um, I set up a funding page and shared a little bit of our story with a picture and put it online on Facebook. Sorry. No, I'm... That's okay. We got the (laughs) tissues ready. Okay. And um, just a couple days later, after sharing this page, I was contacted by one of my friends who had been walking through the infertility journey with me. And she said, Jana, there's a baby. There's a little baby girl. She's only a few days old up in the mountains of Arizona. And they're needing to make an adoption plan. They're needing parents for her. And we all just know it's supposed to be you. And um, I got this call from her on a Saturday. And it was... um, it was kind of overwhelming because, like, we we thought it was going to be a year before we had a baby. And here, just like, we had just barely started our journey. Um, we were going to start classes um, in a few days um, for adoption, you know, but we hadn't even started them. And I got this call that there was a little baby girl that um, they wanted us to come and meet her. So we um, we talked about it, my husband and I. And then we, we talked about it with our pastor and we talked about it with my parents and everybody, because it felt kind of weird. Like, Yeah, what was it like to, you, <laughs> yeah, get, the, you get this phone call, but then right. your husband, how did you go about, I mean, did you feel like a crazy person? Oh my goodness, or? I, I kind of did. I was like, well, I, we were talking and we actually talked about the day. It took me a little while to actually bring it up. Was, I was just, so he was home. It was a Saturday? Or it was, was a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I was working that day um, and uh, that, that evening, you know, my friend had called me several times actually during the day, but I didn't know until I got her messages later. So I went home and I, I said, uh, we talked a little bit about her day. And then I said, well, I got a call from, you know, my friend Brooke and she's saying that there's, there's a baby up in Cholo and they really think we're supposed to be your parents. And he was just kind of like, he was kind of shocked too. <laughs> we were both like, we have nothing. We don't have anything for a baby. We thought we it was haven't even started here. the classes yet. We we're... haven't started the classes yet like we had it figured out that like with my job because I hadn't been at my job for too long at that time um I had only been there for like five months so um I didn't have like a whole bunch of time you know where I would be paid um for time off like all that kind of stuff like we didn't feel prepared at all right you know? but after we talked with um our pastor and our parents and just in general you know even though it felt kind of strange that somebody would be like come check out this baby like that's not usually how people get adopted right Right. Right. Um, 
but we we did we went up to um the mountains and we uh, how do you feel like your heart was in that you know you have like people telling you <laughs> yeah. we think you're supposed to be this baby's parents yeah, yeah. but I mean, I can only imagine that for myself, I would probably stay really guarded <laughs> of like, yes. okay. yeah. like I was, this is crazy. I like, was very guarded. And in fact, I was like, um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that somebody would just decide that we were supposed to be this, this child's parents without meeting us or anything. So when we went up there, um, I, I was not necessarily expecting anything. You know, I, I knew we were going to meet a baby and I was guarded because I was not really sure that... Like, what if they ended up not liking us or like, what if this isn't real, you know? So we went to, um, to the home where the baby was and like, we walked through the door and they immediately held up, gave us this baby and they're like, here's your baby. And we're just like, oh my goodness. Well, Lonnie, he fell in love with her immediately. And I was still like, well, what if this doesn't happen? And really, I didn't know what to do, you know, because we didn't know the process. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't know what was going to happen with this. So, um, it was, it was, we went up there on a Sunday too. So it's not like there was a lot of people we could call. Um, but that day that we met her, we did end up meeting, um, her, her birth family as well. And, um, I think it wasn't necessarily what everybody was expecting was going to happen, but it, it just felt like this amazing, crazy pocket, like time stood still. And, um, Everything fell into place in a way that I could never imagine. It's some of the details and <laughs> just God's hand over all of it. I mean, yes, yes. It was there. Do you have like even just a few of those things yes. that you've kind of picked out that just really just shouted to you? Yeah. God saying, look, Jenna, like, look yeah. what I'm look doing. what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even getting that call in the first place, um, it was actually so it was my friend's friend sister who was like caring for the baby at the time so I mean it, it was a little bit of a you know yes but um it that day like um I called our agency and they said they said to me well this has never happened before but yeah we'll do what we can and they told me what needed to happen um the the birth father um because it's a little different situation so the birth father had to um call them and he did like everybody wasn't sure if that would happen you know what I mean? But I did right away. And uh, I don't, I don't know. It was just amazing. Um, we had to pay a certain amount of money right at, uh, right from the start. And amazingly, the cost of the adoption was going to go down from $27,500 to like $8,600. So it was amazing relief for my husband and for me, you know, uh -huh. just, um, but also amazingly overnight that money was raised. And so we were able to, um, pay the money like immediately like there was no question that God's hand I mean here's what's even amazing my fertility doctor that I, I had told you about the natural uh, the more natural fertility doctor um he gave towards our adoption <laughs> you know what I mean so like 
That's so cool. Things that you you wouldn't expect, you know, and and uh, we the papers needed to be signed, so somebody um, from our agency ended up driving up there, and the papers got signed right when they were supposed to. And I went up there. We went up there on a Sunday and met this baby, and I brought her home on Wednesday, um, knowing that she was going to be um, our daughter. And then the other thing that was just amazing is our church. Like talk about support, they just came around us and they got together everything that we would need for a baby and you know people that I used to nanny for um gave us money or gave us uh just sent like stuff that you need for a baby to our house and we I had think everything. I remember coming to meet <laughs> yeah we had so much like yes. it was a, over and abundant like I mean I I know that a lot of people felt like um they were part of this journey and they were yeah because they had walked through through it with us so what's your daughter's name her name is Emma Joy Lynn, and um, her birth father actually gave her the name of Emma. Um, it was interesting when we were talking with him because he was saying that he had named her um, after his great-grandmother, and um, it was amazing because we just looked at each other and said, wow, you know, my grandmother was also Emma, and it was, it, it was just like a connection that we had with each other, and we understood that this baby's name was Emma. Um, now, we named her Joy Lynn after me, actually, but it means, um, like, joy overflowing, and from the very moment that we've had this little girl, she has joy overflowing about everything. Yes. She's just... <laughs> She she's amazing and um, she's definitely full of energy. That's true. And, yes, um, I can attest to that. Yeah, for sure. And she's two now, so she's she's definitely two and full of energy. Yes. Um, but for us, she really is, um, you know, that miracle where God worked for us. And um, so yeah, that that was exciting and definitely brought glory to God. And in a way I couldn't have ever imagined. And it was. Um, and all just went so yeah. according to the plan that you guys had laid out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, even though, and I remember talking to you not too long ago, um, there are times where I still kind of mourn that fact that I didn't carry a child and give birth. But God's plan and the way that he's been glorified through Emma's life and, you know, just using us in her life that way, like... I'm a, I always just have to sit back in awe. Actually, we just like passed the two year mark because she just turned two, um, the beginning of April. And I know everyone won't hear this. So like, uh, that, that was time. kind but, of an abrupt um, ending to for, our time with us, Gianna. You know, just having those memories um, come up. We recorded we more with her. Everybody and I'm actually we're recording an alternate ending right God now to explain the abrupt cutoff. Um, as we crazy. prayed about it and talked with Gianna more. Yes. We realize that the rest Absolutely. of her story, uh, uh-huh. we, we believe, is being saved for another time in the future. So um, we hope that the time we spent with Jana and hearing about her adoption process with Emma and um, just her struggle with trusting that the Lord is good and sovereign and faithful and the giver of life. Um and yet that um, for whatever reason in his sovereignty and even with her desires to carry a child and um, have biological children, that that's not something that was in his plan. We just pray that 
this is encouraging to you guys. And yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anything you want to add, Addie? <laughs> we really wanted to not make this long, but at the same time, I feel like there's so much we could add and say to how much of a blessing it was to hear Jana's story and just hear the ways that God really like worked on her heart and worked in her life and in her marriage um, in a totally different plan than she had imagined. But so stay tuned. We have no idea how long or when it will be when you get to hear Jana's story continue. God is continuing to write such a beautiful story for their family and she's continuing to walk in faith and her husband as well and trust trust the Lord's plan. Um, It isn't a sure plan. It's Mm -hmm. got ups and downs and but um, hopefully we can do an update with her soon. Bye-bye.